I think post-transplant, this is the irony, I think, of things. Things started readjusting in my life. And while I was fearing death for a couple of years, like I think in my heart, I said to myself, man, Harold, you're only 56, but I don't think you got too many years left. (laughs) Jimmy gives me a a shot of life again. I got busy again. You know, it it took me about a year to really recover from the surgery. It's a very traumatic thing. And it's very weak. But since that time with Music Cares and on my own, I've always been somebody that gave back. Please join us every week for a new episode of Understanding the Human Condition with Dr. James Flowers. Dr. Flowers and his most admired mentors, respected colleagues, and VIP guests will share valuable insight into underlying health causes, conditions, and issues. These in-depth yet approachable episodes are a great resource for both private individuals and industry professionals. Our esteemed host, Dr. James Flowers, is one of the most recognized and respected names in the field of chronic pain, mental health, and substance use disorders, both nationally and internationally. Dr. Flowers is the founder of J. Flowers Health Institute, located in Houston, Texas. For more information about J. Flowers Health Institute and its concierge services, go to jflowershealth.com or dial 713-783-6655. And be sure to mention this podcast. Welcome, everyone, to Understanding the Human Condition. I'm your host, Dr. James Flowers with J. Flowers Health Institute. I'm recording here from the beautiful San Diego, California, Del Coronado Hotel. So if you guys see the beach and hear people walking behind me, just welcome all the background noise for today because it's a beautiful scene out here in California today. Jimmy, you're on the other coast. You're on the East Coast in Georgia on Jekyll Island. I am. Yeah, it's so good to see you. Thank you. And Harold, thank you for joining us today. Are you in LA? I am and good to see you guys. Yeah, absolutely. My two good friends here. You know what? And you two best friends. I can't wait to talk absolutely. to you. Absolutely. We have wanted That's to do this several times. And for some reason or another, each time one of us had a conflict and today we were able to do it. So I'm super excited to talk to Jimmy Mooney, who is what I always call treatment royalty and Harold Owens, who is an icon in this industry. So I couldn't have two better guests today. And you know, what I thought I would do is, Jimmy, I'd really like you to introduce your best friend, Harold. And Harold, I'm going to ask you to introduce Jimmy. But Jimmy, that why don't you introduce, yeah, introduce the world to Harold Owens. Okay. Thank you, James. I really appreciate the opportunity to be, be here today. And yeah, wow. I'll tell you. I got gum in my mouth. Sorry. That's all right. <laughs> yeah. Harold and I, we've got a really interesting history. We met each other way back in, God, 02. It's been been a while. And we were visiting a treatment center. I was CEO at Willingway Hospital in Statesboro, Georgia. And I, I visited a lot of treatment centers. And I was down in South Florida visiting a treatment center. And Harold was there at the same time. And we met each other. And we hit it off from the very beginning. We became really good friends and we laughed, but we went out to eat on a Saturday night and they had deep fried filet mignon on the menu. And we both got that. (laughs) And when he ordered that, I said, I know we're going to be great friends. (laughs) Chicken fried filet mignon. (laughs) Deep fried. I was embarrassed to even mention it that I wanted that. Uh, But as soon as somebody said something, I'm in 
Harold was executive director at Music Cares at that time. And so that allowed uh, Robin and my wife, Robin, and I to do some volunteer work for Music Cares. And I just got to know Harold. And, you know, we'll talk about some of the issues that he went through that I was able to help him out with and some health issues. And so anyway, but probably my closest friend and a great friend, a great person. Yeah. This is Harold Owens. <laughs> well, back and- at you, Jimmy. I must say, James, that, you know, Jimmy said we had that dinner and I immediately just fell in love and adored Robin and Jimmy when we met. And there was something about Jimmy that, you know, it's a really a tale of recovery stories. And I found a little history of Jimmy and Jimmy's family. And I was just, you know, it just was a immediate friendship that we developed. And I respected him on so many different levels, professionally, obviously, with Willingway Hospital. And I was out there doing, you know, I was looking at treatment centers as well. I think we both found the worst treatment center in the world. I won't mention it, but it was in Florida. And we both, you know, we all laughed about that. But, you know, during our early stages of of friendship and getting to know, you know, Jimmy had so many different in his program, so many things I was looking for in the treatment center. And it was independent and they had just a a great community there in Statesboro. And that was the, you know, from there on, I invited him, I think the first event, Jimmy was at uh, the Country Music Awards in Nashville to do a Safe Harbor Room. We started doing that and which we still continue to do. I'm no longer with Music Cares. Formerly, I retired it in October, but we just have had this amazing, enduring enduring friendship over the years you know you guys have and everyone in the industry from the east coast to the west coast from the northwest coast to the southwest coast everyone (laughs) knows harold owens and everybody knows jimmy mooney and everybody also knows that you guys are two amazing human beings and two best friends and you know the title of this podcast really is understanding the human condition And you guys are a great example of understanding the human condition, because at one point in your life, Harold, you were experiencing a health, some health difficulties. And Jimmy, whether you found out or were told or y'all had a conversation, I want you to tell the story. But Jimmy really offered up something to you that was really an amazing gift. And I was wondering if you guys would feel comfortable, Harold, if you'd feel comfortable talking about your struggle and where you were and how it came to be that you received this amazing gift. Well, you know, of course, thank you, James. And, you know, it was a life-threatening event. What happened with me is I was suffering from hypertension. I went to a doctor. My labs were just crazy. He said that immediately that I had chronic kidney disease and that I'm going to have to go on diet, either go on dialysis or get a transplant. And at this point, I think it was about 2007, I was just totally freaked out and Jimmy and I had already been best friends and had a relationship and I I didn't know how to ask for help. Really. I didn't know how to put the word out to ask people to help, you know, to get tested, you know, for a kidney donor. And I don't know what happened. Maybe a friend did it. Anyway, I get a call from Jimmy and Robin and believe me, getting a kidney is, it's not just Jimmy that is, you know, honoring my body with it a piece of his. It's right. the family too. And that is an important thing because that's something that, you know, Robin and Jimmy and Jimmy's extended family had to discuss. And it was a profound experience that had it not been for my recovery and Jimmy's, we would have never met and become friends, but 
had it not been for, you know, the program and AA and us meeting in this way, you know, I'd be dead right now. So, and I mean that, James, I do mean that. I almost died twice on the dialysis chair. And, you know, it was just uh, something I'll never forget in my life. And I hold Jimmy in the highest regard as a human being. It is absolutely a life-threatening disease that you were going through. And as you said, you almost died twice. And Jimmy, what was it in your heart and in your mind that made this decision? And how did you come to this decision? Yeah, let me let me back up because it's interesting. When Harold and I met, that was in 02. And it was October the 1st of 2002. Wow. And October the 1st of 2008, I was in LA to give him a kidney. So to the day was, you know, so that was a God thing, I think. But Absolutely. it was on my eighth birthday, which is October yeah, 1st. he was celebrating his anniversary. That's right. So it was, you know, it's total God thing. But yeah. we were in Nashville at the Country Music Awards to do the Safe Harbor Room. Must have been 06 or, mm-hmm. and, and, and Harold, we were in line at the barbecue place for lunch. And Harold told me and Robin then that he was having health issues and he was going to have to go on dialysis. So I started praying and I did a little research online. And what I found out, I'm O negative, Harold's O positive. And what I found out, the positive and negative doesn't matter. So I said, I approached him. I said, let me get tested because there wasn't, didn't appear to be anybody else that was going to be able to do it or, whatever. And so I went and got tested out at Cedar sinai and we were a perfect match. Another Even my sister wasn't a match, James. <laughs> wow. And so what it was, I had this overwhelming feeling that I had to do something. And I know, I believe that was God telling me that I needed to step up and, and do something to help Harold because he was my best friend before any of this happened. And so I go back and it was, you know, to me, it was God working in my life and his life and using us to touch the other person. And it's been just as much of a blessing for me than it has for him too. And what was that conversation like with your wife, Robin? And how quickly (laughs) did she say yes? (laughs) Yeah, it was, I don't want to say it was difficult because I just brought it up and she was very, had a lot of fear. She had a lot of fear. She wanted me to do it. She felt like we needed to do it, but there was a lot of fear there, a fear of the unknown, you know, because that's not a, it's not a simple medical procedure. It's, you know, my life could have been, you know, in jeopardy too, if from a number of reasons, but Robin, you know, she agreed to it and she supported me in doing that. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it's much harder on the donor than the recipient for the surgery. Is that right? So Jimmy had a harder time actually in recovery than I did for for a few days. And uh, that was tough. Yeah, Yeah. because after the surgery, the recipient feels immediately better and the donor feels immediately worse. (laughs) So but that's just a short period of time. And I cannot. It's made no difference. I can't even. I don't even know that I've done it now, you know, as far as my physical health. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and what a life-changing decision that was, Jimmy, both on your part and Harold receiving that. And just what an amazing story and what an amazing friendship. And that really, to me, is understanding the human condition of each other, right? And being best friends and helping each other. And that's true 
generosity. And Jimmy, you did an amazing thing. And Harold, you've lived an amazing life. Why don't you talk a little bit about your life and recovery, Harold, because you've had an amazing career. And I know that you've recently made a huge change in your life career-wise. So if you could talk just a little bit about that transition. Well, you know, listen, let's just from, I got sober October 1st, 1988. And during that time was a very much a learning experience for me about what I was going to do, what God had in store for me and where I was leading. And it, it led me into the world, once again, recovery and working in treatment. I was a program director at a, a hospital-based program in the uh, 90s, pretty much through, during the 90s. In that program, I started working with the entertainment community, actors and, and musicians, and that kind of population of creative people. And I got a, you know a good career out of that. And then I went over to Music Cares. But I think post-transplant, this is the irony, I think, of things. Things started readjusting in my life. And while I was fearing death for a couple of years, like I think in my heart, I said to myself, man, Harold, you're only 56, but I don't think you got too many years left. <laughs> Jimmy gives me a, a shot of life again. I got busy again. You know, it, it took me about a year to really recover from the surgery. It's a very traumatic thing. and it's very weak, but since that time with Music Cares I, and on my own, I've always been somebody that gave back. So I have been in a number of foundations and boards at different nonprofits. And as Jimmy was too, you know, he was very active in the YMCA and giving back to kids. So that was another alignment between our friendship and a common bond. But I started a music school in Rwanda, which was ravaged by genocide in the 19, early 1990s. And with, we started a music school for adolescents, for teenagers, actually, 12 to 18. And that was an exciting period. I was, you know, once again, I got to take these pills twice a day to keep alive. But that transplant gave me a new lease on life and a new vigor for what my, you know, what is my mission here? you know, and it's very clear. And so, yeah, you know, I did eventually, I retired six months ago from Music Cares, but, and left it in a much better spot than when I started with another woman named Debbie Carroll recently. I'm retired, she didn't retire, she left, but I've got a whole new career now. So I'm kind of scaled things back and I'm working with a company called Hired Power, my good friend, Annette Zimwald. Ironically, and we've been friends for many years, she's in need of a transplant as well. She's got a different type of disease that causes a disease. I forget the name of it, but she is, she's, you know, I've been a confidant to her and other people who've gone through transplants as a result of my experience. I kind of have guided them in what the process looks like. I sure. often tell the donor to call my buddy, Jimmy, you know, he'll, he'll <laughs> tell you from that perspective, what it's like. And so we have a mission. Yeah. You know, I just sent Nan a text before you said this. And I said, am I allowed to say on this podcast that you're looking for I would have said it anyway. And she had <laughs> I didn't ask her. I'm so saying I it. So I her another text and said, oh, Harold just brought it up. So yeah. what, what I would like to say is that Nanette Zumwalt is in search and need of a kidney and that anyone well, else. You know, she didn't know how to ask. And I didn't yeah. either. I think that, you know, when you, when you need something that like a transplant, yeah. an organ donation, that's a difficult ask. You know, my old stuff, I'm not worthy of this. I'm not worthy of asking, you know, someone to give to me, I, you know. And she had the kind of a, I don't know, 
if it's the same for her, but I know we talked extensively about, you know, put it out there. And if you can't do it, ask somebody else to do it for you right. on your behalf until yeah. you feel comfortable with it. And that's what she did. And that I admire that she would yeah. do that. Absolutely. And, and you're doing it right now. So if there's anyone out there that is that would be to have it weigh on your heart or your mind or your spirit yeah. to approach Nanette and to discuss this with Nanette, it can absolutely save a life. Yes. Yeah. And let me say this, James, it's an impactful experience to go through if you're a donor, because you literally save someone's life. Yeah. And long-term effects are very minimal from the donor standpoint. There's a little, you know, a little transition period, but it's been very little impact on me other than impacting, you know, my life and knowing that I literally save somebody's life. You know, we work in a field where we save lives all the time, but this is really the first time that I felt I had a direct impact on somebody's life. Even That's though right. I've been in the treatment community yeah. my whole life. Sure. You saved a lot of lives. Almost Jimmy. on the outside. I was one of these supporting services. Yeah. And so, yeah, it's hugely impactful. And Jimmy, what is it that nowadays and even with modern medicine, what is it that we look for or physicians look for in a match? Well, I'm sure the technology has advanced some since I did. It was yeah. blood type and also the health of the, the donor. They're going to put, they will put you through some rigorous testing to make sure they're not going to jeopardize your life. Right. For instance, I had, I've got high blood pressure and I had, my blood pressure was a little high when I went through the testing and there was a question about whether I would be able to donate or not. So I went through a yeah. lot of tests, but they're very concerned about the donor. Right. And, uh, yeah. and I'm sure the technology has in, improved a lot since. And, you know, as for me, you know, my background of, you know, alcoholism and drug addiction, even though it was 25 years out, just I always think about had I not gotten sober, I never would have been a candidate because they will reject you if you're, you know, if you're actively using. And, like you know, in that sense, I I really have had two lives. And we always say this, like, like Jimmy said about, you know, the. We, you know, people tend to say we save lives. Well, I believe that's God's work, but he saves. We're just a messenger. But this was literally, like Jimmy said, he did save my life. And wow, I tear up every time I talk about it. Yeah, absolutely. Because I, I mean, would not be here. That's right. And not been for Alcoholics Anonymous and Jimmy Mooney. That's you know? right. Absolutely. And Jimmy, you went through your own struggles in life. You know, your family really founded, your father founded the very first hospital-based addiction treatment center in the South, I believe, right? And you grew up in a house of recovery and a house of addiction. Why don't you talk a little bit about your own experience and how you got to the place that you're in today as well? Because Um, without being where you are today, you wouldn't have been able to donate as as well. Right. And his dad was a pioneer. Absolutely. Yeah. When, in 1959, my dad, who was a well-respected physician in our small town of Statesboro, Georgia, went, got sentenced and ended up going to the narcotic farm, U.S. Public Service Hospital in Lexington, Kentucky, where he got sober. He was addicted to narcotics and alcohol. Sure. And he stayed there six months and came back. At that time, my mom was an addict and alcoholic also. Well, when they came back, 
they started going to recovery meetings and all of a sudden our family was a recovering family. <laughs> we went from that crazy dysfunctional alcoholic family to a recovering family. And my dad had no stigma. He wanted everybody to know that he was sober. And so people started coming to see him in the early 60s. There were very few places to go to get help. He was a sober doctor. So people started coming to see him. And in the 60s, he started bringing home with him. So all of a sudden, we had these drunks that were living in our home with us. And they would stay with us a month or two months. So I'm about 15 years old this time. And that's when I started drinking because all of their attention and focus was on these alcoholics. And so us kids, we kind of, you know, the pressure was off. So we were able to do what we wanted to do. So anyway, that's when I started drinking. And of course, you know, it's partly hereditary and uh, I didn't stand much of a chance. So that's when I got into my drinking and drug use and getting sober in 1985. And at that time, I was working at the treatment center. They had opened Willingway in 1971, and I had gone to work at Willingway and was not sober yet. So I ended up getting sober in 1985, and I have been sober ever since. And I really, you know, one of the best gifts my parents ever gave me was introducing me to recovery, to a 12-step program, Sure. because when I needed help, I knew where to go. Right. Absolutely. That's yeah. right. And, you know, you guys get to spend, you're on the East Coast, Jimmy, Harold, you're basic, live on the West Coast, but you guys get to see each other, or you have been able to see each other over the years, really. Yeah, yeah we're road dogs, James. You're road dogs. You travel <laughs> yeah, a lot. road dogs. You and, meet I, the and, and, our, and our wives, we do it as, uh, you know, <laughs> a year after a transplant, we took a great trip up to Alaska. I was looking at some of the old photographs, Jimmy. Yeah. When we were a little younger and... I was healthy again, and yeah. we're able to. We've done some great trips. We have a great history together. Absolutely, yeah. 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 What would you say? Of course, other than a life-saving procedure, what do you think the beauty behind your friendship, or the magic between your friendship, and how you guys have maintained living on two different coasts of the of the United States? How do you maintain a good friendship? Well, there are a lot of things. It's you know, Jimmy and I would have never met if we weren't in recovery. Number one, he's from the yep. south. I'm from the west. You know, we have a, a lot, there are a lot of, you know, people think, God, this is an odd couple here, you know, great, all that stuff. But when it comes down to it, my feeling is almost like, you know, Jimmy was in a war zone with recovery. I was in a war for many years in my recovery. I feel like we're survivors and yeah. soldiers. And when I could equate it to the guys in Vietnam who, you know, they're lifelong brothers because they have a common experience and trauma that binds them in a way it can't be it's hard to describe in words but i feel that has been the one of for me the basis jimmy of things that we man we overlook so much you know we don't look at those differences we look at the similarities and how great you know my life has been because i was able to oversee all of that stuff as well as you jimmy that this is, uh, you know, this is what we do. This is how we help. We're brothers in this, you know? Absolutely. So. You know, I think, Jimmy, we may have just lost Jimmy for a few minutes. But, you know, Harold, I want to ask you, uh, Jimmy may be jumping back on here in a second. But what I'd like to ask you is, what advice do you have for, there's so many young people now getting into the industry and 
and they're, they go to treatment or they don't go to treatment. They get into recovery and they attend 12 step meetings and they have a sponsor and they're doing their thing and they decide they want to get into the recovery industry. What advice do you That's have? That's a great question. It's a great question. And, you know, I had the benefit and Jimmy can say a lot to this as well. I had a great benefit of working in a hospital medical model where we saw people with complex medical issues as well as addiction, psychiatric issues as well as addiction. I learned from the doctors a great basis. Like it's like a chef that has, you know, before you become a chef, you got to cut veggies, you know, you have to, you got to wash dishes. So, you know, I started out, you know, bedpans, taking people to meetings and worked my way up and had a great understanding of what it's like, how important that technician is, you know? So when people ask me about this field, I always ask, tell them, how do you start? Well, you go to, go back to school, but you get a job as a tech and work your way up if you have no knowledge of this field and work in a setting that you see a lot of different people, a lot of different issues. And uh, that's my recommendation to them. And it I, takes a while. Just be patient, James. Yeah. Right? I could not agree with you more. You know, starting out in this industry, it was a perfect analogy for you to say, I cut you, a chef cuts vegetables before they go in and prepare direct the meal. And so many people nowadays want to walk in and be the CEO of a new treatment center. And it's so important to get your legs in the sand, right? And get a firm foundation. Jimmy, any thoughts for you? Any advice on young folks who want to get into the industry after being in recovery for a while? Any advice for young folks getting into the industry, Jimmy? I would say learn as much as you can There's a lot of people who have been around the field for a long time. Get to know some of them and pick their brains. Get a lot of training. You know, go do as much training as you can and try to learn as much as you can. That's, you know, a lot of people who are in recovery want to give back. And you see a lot of people in recovery want to get into the field. And the best thing I think you can do is to get educated and become knowledgeable and remain teachable. Absolutely. Remain teachable. And a mentor, Jimmy. And a mentor. I mean, Jimmy's a great mentor for people in the field. Absolutely. You guys, unfortunately, we're just about out of time. And what I want to leave this today is, is, again, I've known you guys for many, many years. You're amazing people in this field. Talk about mentors. I know both of you would be more than willing to help young people in the field. Jimmy, it's an amazing gift that you gave Harold. Harold, you've lived an amazing life and you continue to live an amazing life. And I think that God brought you into Nanette's life because now it's Nanette's turn. And I just really want to encourage everyone out there listening. You know, Nanette Zumwalt is an amazing human being in this industry, amazing human being in the world. And she is looking for a kidney. And if anybody out there is interested in learning more about it, reach out to Jimmy, reach out to Harold. Harold, how do people reach you? Email would be great. Harold.owens at iCloud.com. Very easily. Excellent. And Jimmy, how do people reach out to you? Yeah. I don't know if you can hear me or not, James, but I I have no audio. Oh, no. All right. Well, (laughs) you can reach Jimmy. I'm unable to hear. You can reach Jimmy through Harold. So email Harold. There you go. There you go. And listen, I just want to thank everybody for joining us today. It's been an amazing episode. Harold, thank you. Jimmy, thank Thank you you. very much. Really good seeing you guys. uh, You guys take good care. Thanks. Bye, everybody. Bye-bye. Thank you.
And I'd like to remind everyone watching or listening to us that there are numerous platforms to find our podcast, YouTube, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, and iHeartRadio. Please share this episode on social media or with someone that you think it could help. Absolutely. And we remind you also that a clear diagnosis is key to the most effective treatment possible. Yes, it is. See you next week. Thanks again, Robin. Thank you.